Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Scott and I'm with uh, only two people tonight. Two other people other than me. <laughs> two friends, family, whatever it is. <laughs> Todd. Hello. And Ash. Hello. Um, news tonight is, are you going to take it or do you want? Have I you can take a little bit of it, yeah. So uh, if you've ordered anything from China, I'm probably not going to get it for a while. Because there's a... Uh, <laughs> Because it's a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. That's news. That's news. Thanks, Dad. Because there is a cargo ship, uh, well, I should say OBC anyways, uh, that lost a bunch of uh, containers. And then, as they got close to port... The same ship. The <laughs> same ship. A bunch of things started catching on fire. And now it's like... Was it, Scott? Over half the ship? Uh, no, I think they actually got it under control. It's 40 containers. 40 fell overboard on choppy seas. The flames initially spread to 10 containers after another 40 fell overboard, sorry. So 50 containers, I guess, mm. have been affected. Um, this is just off the coast of Victoria, or Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the Juan de Fuca Strait. They said it wrong in the news. Mm. Like, um, but um, part of the problem, which I, did, I just read, is that's hampering their... Where I, I think they put it out now, but was hampering their firefighting ability was that it was... Um, it was reactive to water. Two of the contain- containers contained 52,000 kilograms of hazardous material identified as a potassium amylaxafat, <laughs> which I just looked up under the, uh, um, how, how you fight it in fires. And yeah, it reacts, uh, with, uh, flammable fumes if you put water on it. <laughs> Perfect. So that's not good. (laughs) Super helpful. So I guess they've since cooled the hull of the ship. Um, A number of containers were in the water, which now makes it hazardous because you have containers floating around in the water and other ships are going to run into that. So there's Mm -hmm. a big exclusion zone around the place, or around the ship. And yeah. It's interesting that some of the containers are actually burned enough to collapse and fall. Because we were just talking about this the other day. Right. How our burn building, we've burned in it Cooled it, burned it, cooled it, burned it, like, for how many years now? Oh, God, yeah. Seven or eight years? Yeah, many. <laughs> and uh, still, you know, pretty good shape. Pretty I, good I mean, shape, I wouldn't put yeah. any real heavy weight on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. and I mean, I get, you know, also, like, pallet fires are a lot cooler than whatever that word was I just said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain. Like, the BTUs and, the BTUs and are pallets really are pretty low, mm-hmm. relatively uh, speaking, compared to other things. So. Yeah. yeah, and these things are stacked pretty incredibly high too with yeah. a lot of load on these 40 foot yeah. containers yeah so but yeah i noticed that uh, i was watching one clip and they had those two massive um uh, fireboats out there yeah. uh, mm-hmm. using aerial streams and i have no idea what size of pipes we don't deal with any of that around here yeah, right. but uh man the amount of water those things were moving was incredible oh for sure yeah, yeah. it definitely looks impressive but yeah yeah hmm. so yeah it was that it's just so <laughs> was it northwest coast of uh british columbia your shit's delayed mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and probably we can't get probably our uh because we're looking for some more uh sea cans so we can build some more burn building yeah <laughs> that's gonna be delayed too i guess although maybe maybe we'll get some partially burned ones <laughs> <laughs> that's just don't add water for a while uh, yeah what a deal <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, don't put water in there for mm-hmm. a couple a couple rounds. Yeah. <laughs> or or do and see what happens. Yeah. That's like worst case scenario. You're surrounded by water. They're falling off on fire. Anything that's falling off is gonna react to water. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now we can't put water on it. 
And then, like, one expert was commenting on it. He said, like, they evacuated, I don't know, 60 people or something like that, 40 people from the boat. But they have, like, maybe 30 bottles for SCBAs. That's it. Mm-hmm. And this fire's been burning for days now. Like, Yeah, then, of course, they have no compressor on board, so yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think. I would assume they wouldn't. Yeah. Huh. Ship issues. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Shipboard fire fan. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Yeah. Nope. I'll stick to my uh, ground. Well, we're we talking about tonight, Scott. Um, actually, you're going to do the talking for the most part. Perfect. So we're going to talk about <laughs> since we are still slowly getting into FR. We haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. We're getting closer every day because we don't want to be. We feel in the night. When is it? When does FR come out? Like really come out to around like low. I think it was like mid '90s, early '90s. They really pushed it. From what I, what I recall from reading, mm-hmm. they really pushed FR and in the fire service um, and a lot of departments that we know of they kind of got they kind of got thrown into it without Trust being prepared it, yeah 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 and they've always just kind of you know they've been riding that wave ever since and they haven't really got a chance to make improvements or and a lot of them we've talked to they would love to you know have had a reset and just start it off right right well our two departments are we were holdouts we're basically the only holdouts left around i think mm-hmm. uh, or some of the few um, so we get a chance that few other departments are getting and we we get to, um, hopefully do it right the first time. So we, we haven't been really pushing it too hard. We're, we've been slowly rolling it. We've gotten all our guys trained up now. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to start doing some practice nights, which is one thing we're going to talk about. Um, and you guys slowly were able to build up a uh, pile of training supplies. Yeah. For and, the training and gear, and getting all the gear, gear ready. Um, we're going to talk. You know, we've been talking to paramedics, figuring out where we're going to fit. Um, we've just got our um, our pagers transi- transitioned over, so um, those guys that are on the medical crew at night, it's not going to wake up the whole department when a when a medical page goes off. Because that's one thing we talked yeah. to other departments about. They said, "Yeah, don't don't sit on the same channel or don't um, figure." They said, "Figure out a way to be paged differently because you don't want to wake up." 30 members, 35 right. members yeah. for when you only need four. That's definitely key, you know, especially when you're talking, you know, fiscally responsibility for the town and stuff we're into. Yeah. Like, you know, FR, it's a it's an extra thing that we're providing for service for our community. Um, but again, now that's extra budget. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you want to be <laughs> paying 30 guys to go to the hall when you're only rolling one truck of four? Mm. You know, like, no, we don't want to have all these guys like, standing around. Yeah. But when the page goes out, everybody comes because everybody wants to be a part of it. Yeah. So unless you specifically pick a duty crew, how you guys are doing it, yeah. and then having that separate tone so you're not waking everybody up because then you're not going to piss everybody else off. For and sure. guys aren't going to go click, turn their pagers off because they don't want to hear it. Yeah. And then uh, miss a structure they fire. They miss a structure fire, right? Later. Yeah. yeah, so that's pretty key. So we're basically setting up all this infrastructure and hopefully mm-hmm. going live in the new year. I think it's probably definitely possible. It's probably going to be the well, next. it's definitely some point yeah. in, in the next year. We'll mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, we've been waiting for a while, so we can wait a little longer. Yeah, I do like what you said, though. So we initially were hoping for maybe like a September, October, um, and then just with delays and everything, uh, like part of that was the delay in getting all of our gear. So we got, uh, we were very fortunate to be able to get a bunch of training supplies, so we we can actually do a lot of hand, hands-on training. Uh, Carrie has been doing some in-house training, which is really great. Um, but our actual kits, um, we're still waiting for a couple odds and ends for that to be full. It's on a ship in China. Um, it's probably on a ship in China. 
later. Um, I think we're damn close, but to be able to go live in the new year, like January, uh, yeah. that would be a really good capture to see what the call volume difference would actually look like and, and what that would be in an entire year mm-hmm. rather than, you know, oh, well, we had X in the last month and a half of, you know, 21. Um, let's just start start fresh. And, like hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and be completely not like Quite dialed. Like we're we're definitely gonna have some growing pains because oh, yeah. there's gonna be a lot of that, like like you know, melding with with uh, other services yeah. and like where exactly are we gonna fit in and like what can we bring to the table where we're not stepping on toes and we're yeah. not you know being a, a hindrance. We just want to be a help. Um, and, and I feel like we've in the last, especially in the last few months, um, with I think partially because the paramedics know we're we're a little bit better trained in medical and probably also because um, the ambulance service is, is suffering a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both those together, uh, we are definitely going to a few more calls that we haven't been in the past and more medical calls. Um, a few things that normally we, we kind of maybe not even be called for, but now we're getting called and we're assisting. So at least now we're, we're kind of dipping our toe in a bit mm-hmm. and kind of seeing where we fit. And I think That's the right. paramedics are liking it because we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're now that we, now that our guys understand where stuff is and what things are, they can yeah. uh, they can assist more. It's like being that friend that has a, a deck trailer or something, mm-hmm. or, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh hey, want to come help me move? Uh, yeah. <laughs> want to come do this? Yeah. You become very popular all of a sudden. So as we're like, you know, you guys are the going to these calls. Friend in the medical service, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so now as you're going to these calls, and the medics are are realizing that, hey, like these guys are actually very helpful. They, you know, yeah. they've been trained in FR, they're, they're licensed, you know, there's still some, some little things that they need to do to fully yeah. be uh, signed agreement and stuff. But, um, yeah, there, it seems that you guys are getting more and more calls. Mm-hmm. So. so part of our discussion tonight came up, um, today, I guess, or like, when was that? Yeah, it was today. No, yeah, yesterday. Like yesterday, today. We're yeah. talking to Carrie. We're talking, cause she's our FR captain, like our, kind of our leader of the FR. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out exactly where a team of four people that's where we're gonna have, fit in to medical calls because um, obviously paramedics are groups of two usually I don't, um, I don't think yep. there's any groups of threes <laughs> so groups of twos um so it's a different kind of model so we're gonna have a group of four now we have vague i mean we have ideas of where it can fit mm-hmm. um and obviously we're not the first so we uh, know there is definitely um a way to do it, right? And uh, you obviously have a lot of experience uh, over the years dealing with. Um, I think you said uh, you dealt with every uh, every fire department from um, on the lower mainline, basically. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. one point or another in your life, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so you you obviously have some um, ideas what works, what doesn't, um, what best practices a crew can do. So. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the best phrase is best practices. Like there's no real wrong. Well, there's a wrong way, but. There's, uh, <laughs> there's, I know it's one department. <laughs> Tell me more. But it's, yeah. but it's like anything, you know, it's, um, you work with certain individuals who, you know, when they're really switched on and there's that real good flow in the call, it just makes things so much easier mm-hmm. when there's no animosity or things like that. Like I've, same with many other medics, they've worked on calls where the fire department may show up and they're just disengaged. They don't want to do FR stuff or they've been busy or what, whatever the case may be. And, or there might be some, some old grudges, you know, cause there's always rivalries back in the day, right? Between the services. Yep. Um, and then there's the, the groups where 
you roll up and you know things are just laid out there's clear communication um, there's no expectations and it's just professional and it's so smooth and it comes back to that patient focused care you know what are we there for like we're a service industry mm. we're providing service to these patients um, and yeah that, that's basically what it comes down that so we really tried to look at what would work best for our community on like I said like a three four person truck um, so we talked about the scenario of if you're arriving first prior to the to the paramedics kind of the best way to run the call um, and you know do the most for the patient and get the most information out so you can do that um, patient report that handoff report uh-huh. to the paramedics when they arrive because handoff is huge um, and it's the same thing for us as medics our handoff report to a higher level of care or the hospital or the physician uh, it's pretty pretty key you know and then we also talked about um, if you arrive just after you know some of the things you can say or some things you can do to offer some some assistance without them just canceling you right off the bat and then mm-hmm. realizing oh shit it would have really helped having you guys hang around for a few more minutes because we've all yeah. done it. i've done it as well i've canceled um the fire crew when they've arrived right and then we haven't even sat the person up or tried to extricate yet and then we start doing that and we're like oh geez now it's things have changed or the patient's condition has changed and now we're needing help and it sucks, and it's embarrassing having to call somebody back, code sure. three, because something just happened to the patient. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked a lot about that. So I guess we can start with um, if a crew of four kind of arrives first. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so why why a crew of four? I guess is the question. Well, we were talking about crew of four. Uh, so you got your driver or engineer mm-hmm. uh, operator. And generally, uh, your truck officer or captain, um, and then the two firefighters. Right. So essentially, if you look at the paramedic model, essentially you got your driver and attendant, right? Your attendant is in charge of the call, uh, providing the patient care. The driver's role um, is providing assistance, um, handing them gear, equipment, taking vitals if needed, um, and then gathering patient information, medications, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you take that snapshot of just the two people and mold that now into a four-person truck. Now you've got your driver. So key little things that were really beneficial is when I'm driving up in an ambulance, if I know, hey, that truck company, every time they park, their tailboard is and the side of the street they're on is going to be the entrance of the building I'm going to. Right. That's key. Because I've had other departments park um in front of it or behind it and there's not enough room for me to come around um because you may not be coming the direction they're assuming you're coming from right um mm-hmm. so if you get blocked in now i'm parked you know two houses away from where i need to go well one that's delaying patient care now i'm humping all my gear out even mm-hmm. further through the rain you know then we got to push that patient through the rain or snow or sleet so again it's all patient focused care right we, we want to be as close to the address as possible so if that uh truck driver or engineer can park with the tailboard at the entrance of that address as I'm approaching, I know, hey, perfect. That's the address where I'm going for. And then as I approach, if they pull forward, if they're still in the truck, mm. or if there's enough room to, to do so, now when I park my ambulance, my working end, which is the back end, the end of the ambulance, is going to be in, right in their driveway. So when I pull my stretcher out, it's a straight shot into that right. entrance point. Mm-hmm. Um, so just something as little as that as parking is huge. Uh, for us, for getting gear out and stuff. Right. 
the second role that that driver can do is he can do a little bit of recce, right? So he can go in with the crew once he gets the truck set up, uh, keep your merge lights on because it's a great indicator for us where we're going. Because sometimes you may not be the same ambulance in that community. Like I'll be in a, an adjacent community, may not be super savvy on where I'm going. So mm-hmm. you know, if I can pinpoint these flashing lights, sweet. Now I know the street, now I know the house, and away I go. The worst is rolling up and seeing a fire truck sitting there with the engine off and lights off. You, you can't see them. Mm-hmm. So keep keep everything on. Right. Um, then there's the conversations of, well, you know, the family asked us to turn everything off because they're, you know, they don't want the neighbors to know and this and that. Yes, you want to abide, I guess. How should that happen? Not a lot. Yeah. But sometimes mm-hmm. you do get that. Like people will say, I don't want them coming lights and sirens. And I say, well, it's a critical call. Like we're coming. Yeah. You know, but it does happen. Um, but I find that can, you can kind of massage that with a gentle discussion with the family member, right? Mm-hmm. There's always going to be some asshole that's going to argue with you. And then right. whatever. Like gentle discussion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that back to that driver role. So once you've established your truck parking and you've got a good, good real estate for the ambulance coming up, um, go do a little bit of recce. Like, if you know, okay, I'm going in the front door, how many steps is there? If they're bringing a stretcher in, like, and having that knowledge of, the space it takes for a stretcher to move around. You know, can I safely lift a stretcher up one set of stairs or two stairs to get into a flat mm-hmm. uh, house? Perfect. Or is there a flight of stairs? Now do we need something else? Is that stretcher going to be at the bottom of the stairs? We'll have to use a stair chair or a clamshell or something else to, to extricate this person if they're not ambulatory. Um, so maybe you're moving some things around the, f- the front of their entrance. Right. Um, recce a second option, just like a fire scene, right? You know, look look for another means of access or egress, yeah. um, something that's going to be a bit more flatter. Um, and then also, if you go in, if they're upstairs and it's a tight set of stairways, then you can come out and you can meet that crew as they arrive. Hey guys, yeah, the the crew and the patient are up on the second floor of this house, pretty tight, uh, pretty tight uh, stairwell. Um, you'll probably need a stair chair if they're not ambulatory. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not know the condition of what's going on yet. Fair enough. But if you can give me as a medic a heads up that, hey, the you know, second floor, tight set of stairs, mm-hmm. I know what equipment I want to bring with me now. For sure. So just little little things like that. It goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, after that, um, wintertime, we talked about that. Like yeah. if there's snow and ice. Well, we were talking uh, maybe on our one truck went through a couple snow shovels. Actually, yeah, I, absolutely. I've we've had, done that before. We've actually shoveled, well, last yep. year we shoveled a yep. walk or two. Yeah, I've had some amazing crews um, come and shovel a driveway uh, enough for us to go down, uh, throw some salt down or some sand down for some grip. Uh, if it's a steep driveway, things like that. Mm-hmm. I've even had to have uh, a fire crew, they had to set up a, a little rope line uh, to get right, the stretcher down. Yeah. Um, it was wintertime. It's really, really steep, sketchy um, driveway. And it was too steep even for like six guys to con- safely control that stretcher going down with the patient on board. Right. So they tied it off the rope. Worked great. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, think outside the box for what you can do to assist, and that's why I say don't cancel. Fire and the drivers really. also like can be used as like a gopher. Absolutely, right? yeah. So like mm-hmm. the officer in the in the in the house could be like, hey, we need the stair chair. Yeah, you got calmed. You can mm-hmm. get it out. Yeah, save somebody running back and forth um, because with a minimum crew, it's hard. Now you're leaving that patient care if they're really sick. Right. Now you're running for equipment. So having those sure. four guys in that truck, you know, lots of hands. It's 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 pretty right. helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
So you look at your, your crew of four, so that's one person. So that covers your driver's role, basically. Yeah. So then you have your driver attendant still uh, in an ambulance world. So now you're going to have your two firefighters that are going to do that. One's going to take charge of, of being the attendant. The other one's going to be kind of the attendant's helper, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, so the attendant's in charge of, the, of uh, the patient care, asking all the questions. Uh, that second firefighter can be kind of the assistant. Um hand them things out of the out of the kit if they may need it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can jump in and take vitals as you're asking questions. Um, one common practice I like to do for my practice is if the patient is fairly stable, I'll usually take vitals after a certain amount of questions. Um, and then my partner will go and get the patient care information and the medications and things like that. Um, if they're really sick, I'll get to all that stuff later. Mm-hmm. I want to keep asking these high yield, high value questions and then my partner will jump in and take vitals right away mm-hmm. uh, because it needs to get done fairly quickly. So that's where those two, the two firefighters, if they share that role, it's very beneficial. Right. Yeah. And that's just straight. Yeah, I mean, basically, that's that's what we've been training for mm-hmm. is, is that side of the fence. Like, that's, you know, that's actually fairly, I don't want to say that's, that's the easy part. That's the part that, that's the part we've been training for, so that's the part that... Um, like it doesn't need. To, I guess it doesn't need to well, be I talked about. You, you look <laughs> at we, yeah. the types of role, the types of calls, the fire department is going to be going on for FR is generally going to be reds and purples. Yeah, like high, it's high, going to yeah. be higher, higher QD calls. Yeah. So generally, it's going to pay off having that second person just just jump in and take the vitals. Yeah. I can start asking my questions, mm-hmm. and then they can get get those vitals done right away. Then hey, I've got a boom, real fast initial set, and then I can take another set in five minutes, or if they're stable, fifteen minutes, and away from there. I think for us coming into this like a few weeks ago month maybe a month or so ago the two the two roles that were a little foggy were going to be the driver and the officer like what were those two going to bring mm-hmm. and after speaking with you like offline here um really found that driver role and how imperative it is and like what they can bring uh even if they're not fr trained they're, they're yep. still very very uh, like their value is crazy and then it can be the officer like what does their role like what do we look like because, because, because we talk we don't want to get the officer the officer doesn't want to get sucked into the scene mm-hmm. because that's like the worst thing yeah like we have to we have to be detached mm-hmm. take a step back look around make a call we, we always we always preach right yeah absolutely uh, and uh and managing that scene yeah we don't want to yeah. be like oh, i'll be the attendant today because i i didn't get to attend last time it's like well no you're, really the, you're, that, right? you're yeah. the officer you're the, i mean i guess you could hand command to somebody else but that's kind of mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. i mean there's certain skills and certain reasons why people are in right. certain areas so I feel maybe other than a cardiac arrest with major delay. And you have to switch over. And then, yeah, we're getting, on the chest. you know, like later on in the call, uh, if if you have to step in for chest compressions, that might be, mm-hmm. yeah. in my mind, as I'm picturing this, kind of the only time that we get ourselves hands-on. Yeah. Um, you're kind of managing that, that scene. and You know, you can kind of back up that attendance assistant with maybe some of the, you know, gathering yeah. of the meds or whatever or like we kind of discussed exactly right so in in that scenario so now we've got <clears throat> say you've got your driver out by the truck doing the recce getting everything else ready to go uh you got your two firefighters in there as your attendant and your and your assistant uh now that officer he can officer he can come in uh he can start gathering information from the family member if there's one there if there isn't one he can start snooping around for a medications care card mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff uh, he can be working on a little bit of inside uh, access and egress issues you know move a table out of the way move a couch out of the way make yeah. build that real estate because mm-hmm. you know 
a stretcher is probably going to be coming in here, right? Right. You mm-hmm. could start doing some of that stuff. Um, and keep a keen ear as, as you start documenting on your FR report. You know, having all that stuff ready is um, mm-hmm. is very helpful. Yeah. You know, so as you finish your your vitals as a firefighter, you know, shout it out. Hey, I've got you know one thirty over eighty, heart rate of uh, you know seventy eight irregular. Hey, thank you. Yeah, got it. Repeat it back. Write it down. And now it's done as time stamped. Yeah. Um, if you're giving meds, if you're giving nitro or whatever, you know, um, you can that guy. He's he's gonna mark and right. time stamp all those medications or interventions that you are doing at that time for that patient. Yeah. And marking the time. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think the other, one thing people are forgetting, maybe not like in our crew, people are forgetting is the fact that uh, this isn't a fire. This isn't a big scene. This isn't like we're gonna have more people coming. No. Or it. Well, I mean, we could ask for more people if we needed to. But right. for the most part, those four guys, that's it. That's yep. all that's coming. So it's not like we're going to be like, oh, when the next truck arrives, I'll get those guys on that task, and those guys can go move that table. And mm-hmm. get, you know, Oh, exactly. It's and just, yep, this is, the, this is the four guys. So Yeah, and with that model, it's, it's a good number of people. So then as the paramedics arrive, you know, as the officer, you don't want to be giving the handoff report because yep. you weren't the one talking to the patient visually assessing this patient, physically mm-hmm. assessing this patient, asking them the questions, hearing their responses, you know, so you want to do the handover report, um, you know, for first person. So that attendant who took those questions, he should be giving the handoff report to the paramedics as they arrive. Then as the officer, once that report is done, or just as they're walking in, hey, here's the documentation I currently have, here's the list of meds, this is everything you got, here's the care card, you know, so and firefighter so-and-so has the, the patient care report for you. Or a handoff report. Yeah, report, yeah. yeah. You know, perfect. Thank you. And you go. Job done. Uh-huh. And then you can stand off to the side. Yeah. And then and you continue the egress stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then, of course, you know, then kind of hover around, um, let the crew know. And this is where I find ambulance crews, they send, oh, hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, you know, we're, we're good. You guys can go. Well, the medics should be kind of waiting a little bit um, unless they're totally stable and they're anticipating walking them out. Um, but still, you still need a few minutes as a medic, we're going to be coming in. We're going to be asking a whole pile of questions, making our decision and then our extrication plan, you know? So again, if I cut you guys off, send the fire department away free. And then I realize, oh, well, I forgot to ask this question or he brought something up or that's imperative to the extrication plan. Well, maybe I don't want to be walking this guy or whatever. Right. Right. Um, then secondly, actually, so let's talk about like the cardiac arrest, for example, so in a cardiac arrest, if, if that officer, if he can kind of stay detached and stand back, um, be in charge of the compression changeovers, uh-huh. two-minute cycles, kind of run the call, if you will, like standing standing back, that's super helpful. Then if that driver, say he's not FR trained, he's just your driver, he can come in and, and watch a clock and document the times. Yeah. Hey, guys, okay, in two minutes, you know, you're gonna, you're getting ready to swap out the chest. Perfect. Okay, thanks. And then the three of you, the officer and the two firefighters, can continue can doing start, that resuscitation, right? Yeah. Yeah, then he can stand off and just document that and be in charge of that until the medics arrive. Then if he doesn't want to be there, he can detach and step outside of the hallway or what have you or mm-hmm. get more equipment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely roles for everybody, you know, yeah. no matter what, mm-hmm. what your position is going to be. Did we ever find out... I know there's questions. I don't know if we ever asked you. So in FR land, um, on a cardiac arrest, in our hall, you either are FR or you have your OFA training. 
So you have to have some level of medical, whether it's for us or whether it's for the patient. In that world, can an OFA-trained firefighter do chest compressions? Um, I don't actually know that. I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be rely upon your your first responder agreement. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has to be minimum to an FR. FR, yeah. Trained for hands on mm-hmm. with the patient. Mm-hmm. Right, right. However, the OFA three that that's more covering us, right? Yeah, for, if we're injured in house, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. Because, I mean, we've, then, then we've obviously that, done chest compression. Yeah, so then there's that gray yeah. area, right? There's the Good Samaritan Act in BC, you know, we're covering for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is that gray area which gets debated long and hard. Well, like you've told sure. us before, or me, or whoever before, you're not making it any worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, the guy's heart stopped. Like, literally cannot make it any worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All you're going to do is help. Yeah. <laughs> I literally train elementary kids to do CPR. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I, I can't see any world where that comes back and there's an issue. Yeah. But it's definitely something that uh, it came up, you know, to us in house. We were curious because we, we, a, we've been doing this for years and we've gone to arrests and we, mm-hmm. we provided a service, right? Um, now that we're making the switch, well, now we're working under a scope of FR and we have mm-hmm. our, our licensing. But what does that still mean for these other guys that have training? Now it's not in an FR scenario. Mm-hmm. I feel it'd be a judgment call. Like if you're like, you know, your guys and manpower is tapped out. You don't have any more FR resources that mm-hmm. are doing it. If you need to ask one of the members who is trained in it to do it, mm-hmm. or I mean, we do also it. do the second page. Yeah, like yeah there's, there's always exactly. ways a general a general page for more more members. But it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna default to your license agreement, your FR agreement for sure. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, like, basically, there's, with the roles of the officer and then that that truck driver, you know, those could flex a little bit if needed for a very critical call. Well. Yep. Um, but, again, it's super important having that driver role out there, meeting the ambulance, parking, staging. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's like any fire scene we go to, right? Set your trucks up for success. You don't want to yeah. be trying to move something later when mm-hmm. you got all these hoses coming yeah. off it. Mm-hmm. Same thing in an FR call. I don't want to be going and moving my ambulance again when I'm ready to be transporting. I want it there and ready to rock. Ready to rock, yeah. So, yeah, I think it had to be ahead, right, when you're planning all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, like I told our guys the other day, I'm like, at a fire call, we're, like, on a regular fire call, we're the show. So mm-hmm. The show is us. We come, we bring all our stuff, we set it up, we do what we do. Yeah. Like at, a, at a medical call, the paramedics of the show, we're there to support them. Yeah, so then on the flip side of that, so now let's say you arrive after the ambulance is there. So the paramedics are already on scene. You you roll in a few minutes afterwards, make contact with them. They may just say, hey, no, guys, we're totally good. You can cancel. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, you can. I feel the best way to communicate is just like, okay, sure, have you thought about any other extrication stuff or, or any help with the stairs? You know, we don't mind, you know, setting up a stair chair and helping you guys carry them down the stairs. Throw it out as an option. Because, yeah. yeah. um, again, a lot of different personalities in the service. So somebody might just be like, you know what? No, I don't need those guys here. They just go away. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's your decision. However, best patient practice, give me a few minutes, and then I may clear you or whatnot. Right. Um, but on that same note, patient confidentiality is key too. So I don't want six guys standing around in the bedroom. Yeah. I'm going to say, sure. hey, you know what, guys? Hey, thanks. And even this is back to just when you hand off your report. Okay. All right. Awesome. Hey, 
we're just going to be out in the, in the hallway or we're going to mm-hmm. be out in the kitchen. You yeah. know, call us if you need us or when you're ready to extricate. You know, just yeah. step out of that area in case mm-hmm. there's any personal questions that person may want to want to uh, respond to. And then you're not in that bubble. It's going to mm-hmm. make that patient feel more comfortable too. That's right. Yeah, I feel on the uh, ones where we show up and the paramedics are already there, that's really when the officer should be going by, like, maybe not oh, yeah, by himself. Like, hey, you guys you guys are staying out the door. I'll go talk to the paramedics. Because yeah. we don't want to, all of us, well, I'm tromping in. Hey, what's going on? Like, like if one of us pops in, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah good, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, stand stand by the door. Um, have, have the officer go in, team leader, right? You know, make contact with the crew and say, hey, this is where we're here. This is what we got to offer. How can we do to help? And uh, kind of see what their response is. On the flip side of that, too, now with COVID and everything else, you know, if it's a, an, an ILI type of a call, influenza-like illness. Oh, two weeks. Event, it's only two weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. Over in two weeks. Over in two weeks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You won't have to worry about getting your shot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, uh, again, it's it's you don't want to be putting yourself at that extra risk of exposure. For sure. Um, unless you like, really need to be. So if you can stand that. off to the side and then, hey, no, yeah, we do need you guys help. Okay, perfect. Now don your PPE and go in. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So there's lots of ways to do it. I think um, the one perk we have in our communities, it is a small community. There's a small group of medics and stuff. Generally, everybody's going to get to know each other fairly quickly if they already don't know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once they realize that, you know, hey, we can work really well together um, and having extra hands, we will utilize them. But then also, um, I feel wearing my other hat, the ambulance crews need to realize that if you're not needed, let you go. Like there could be other shit going on. And I don't want to just keep you there just to lift the patient, carry the patient down when I'm fully capable of doing that by myself. Right. Like I'm not going to let you do everything just because Uh you're there. Well, I feel at some point we need to have a discussion, and we kind of have a little bit of uh, if there's another call that comes in. Yeah. When do we go? Like, we're out. Like, we got we got firefighting stuff to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, we're if we're on a chest, making chest compressions, we're not going to be like, I'm out! See ya! No, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, like what you're saying, we're kind of waiting around, seeing if the medics need us, and then another call comes in. Okay, well, we're leaving. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, depending on what it is, obviously. I it's feel like it's going to be like call. any other fire type type call. Like if we're on a structure fire, yeah. and there's a call for a NVI, yeah. like we're not going to drop hose and run. Like mm-hmm. we have to prioritize what's happening, mm-hmm. and we'll treat any F- FR call the same. Like yeah. if if we're needed, that's our call. We have to run, and we're going to see this thing through. If like you say, if we're literally hanging out in the hallway, and you know the patients you know might be stable you know whatever the deal is um that's where that officer yeah you know somebody can poke poke back in and say hey like you know are we cool to clear um we're here if you need us but we've also got something else going on oh i did see the um firefighters in a larger city up north uh (laughs) my job they um they came to there was something going on and they came and they're doing their first responder thing, and and uh, paramedics haven't arrived yet, and all of a sudden they're uh, and another call comes in, and they're like, "Oh, that's actually a fire call. That's a real call. See ya." And it's like they grab their they grab their shit and left, and I'm like, "Are you allowed to do that?" Don't think you can do that. But, yeah. <laughs> like they just like left. They're like, "Ah, paramedics will be here in a minute." <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the, that's the first response. I was kind of like, what? Yeah, that, that you are still bound by the email. I mean, that's patient. So, yeah, I was like, yeah. I was pretty surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
there was a law enforcement aspect of it. So maybe they were like, oh, these guys got it. They were like, mm. yeah. <laughs> See, there, and that's, <laughs> there is a, so it happens a lot to us. Whereas just as we're arriving, we could be pulling up to a scene and our dispatch calls us, hey, are you committed yet? I have a higher priority call. Right. And if we haven't made patient contact, no, we're not committed. And right. we leave. I've had to do that <laughs> numerous times. And the fire guys literally look at us like, what? Like, sorry, got to go. And you take off because it's a higher priority call. Mm-hmm. But we haven't made that patient contact yet. Right. But then there's been times where literally we were just we walked in that door, haven't said hi to the patient yet, but we're in their residence and they called. Sorry, no, we're committed now. Mm-hmm. So then you're attached to that call. Right. Yeah. So again, communication, right? It's uh, you just have to come down. Then you have to decide, okay, can you split your crew mm-hmm. there? Or do you say, hey, dispatch, can you page out another FR crew uh, or a general page for F responder medical response or something and kind of decide what happens from there? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the first step is definitely saying, hey, paramedics, you know, we just got a call for, uh, you know, another FR call, you know, are you guys okay? Can we take off for this? And ask the question, do you have another car in the area? They may know, they may not. Um, and that might help decide as well. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it'll go fairly smooth though. I really do. Yeah. I think it's like anything else. It'll take us a few months to iron out the yeah. kinks and then we'll be rolling like normal. Yep. Yeah. And it, like, like anything, it's, um, Four people in the truck, that's that's awesome. There's tons of people. Like Every now and then, we'll have, when we do have three people in, in an ambulance, it's generally if you are um, precepting a student or there's a return to work, somebody's coming back. Um, and when you have those three people, sometimes it goes smooth. Other times you find, because we're all very type A and we want to kind of attend, mm-hmm. it's almost too much help. Um, right. But when you take it to like the paramilitary fire department style. You know, this is the officer, this is the team leader. He's going to stand back, do what we just discussed. You know, then those other two can do their attendant jobs yeah. and then carry on. Everybody's uh-huh. got their role. It's For a little sure. bit easier to control. Yeah. Well, and I think once the paramedics show up too, we will, obviously we're going to be like, this is their, this is their show. Yeah. We'll step, step, step back. back. Yeah. yeah. And, let, and, and then let them take over. We're not going to be like, no, I got this. <laughs> like, no. Because <laughs> we do not. You know, what's not going to happen is we show up to a fire scene and they're, uh, they got a fire extinguisher out, some paramedic, and we're like, we got, the, I got this. No, you don't. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. <laughs> no, and that's where it's super important is um, having these, like, when you do a practice night, like, do your FR calls, FR training, but then maybe invite the ambulance crew. Yeah. Uh, a couple nights for a practice. Say, hey, this is, we're doing going to do this scenario. We want to run it as we arrive first at FR. Then you come in, let's do the handoff, and then work together to extricate or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, because real world, that's what happens. Look at was two summers ago, we did that MVA, and there was a cardiac arrest. We ended up working them outside the side of the vehicle in the vineyard. Yeah. And we had tons of guys. I was asking, you know, some of the fire guys to help spike a bag as I was throwing a line at them, right? Like, you know, and having that knowledge of how to assist the ambulance, how to do those extra little things, mm-hmm. really does help in a real world event. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's one thing we want to do before we go live is uh, do a bunch of these um, scenarios. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether we actually um, go to a member's house and be like, "Hey, we're going to use your house," uh, and there'll be like a fake scenario and yeah, put a dummy on the ground. There, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then uh, maybe one we'll do one in an alley. 
maybe mail maybe we'll do the alley behind the um ambulance station that where the paramedics can actually come out and be like no if they're not if they're not busy mm-hmm. they can then they don't have to leave go very far yeah, yeah. To, to come and uh mm-hmm. play the role of them coming in the house one is a great idea because as we all practice you know when we're doing fr stuff it's usually in the hall you know in the in the big training room mm-hmm. lots of flat mm-hmm. space now flip it into like your living room. Picture your living room or mm. your bathroom floor. Like <laughs> somebody's, 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 laying, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, somebody's laying on your bathroom floor. Now do an FR call. Mm. It changes everything, right? Mm, for sure. You need to get gain that real estate mm-hmm. you know, do, for whatever you may be doing for that patient. Get the wheels turning. Yeah, I got it really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so again, what we all, we've always talked about is that high fidelity training. Make it as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. That's realistic. You're going to be yeah. running in there. It's like, oh, shit. Well, now I've got this, you know, 200-pound coffee table I need to drag out of the way mm-hmm. and not break because we're still yeah. trying to be polite and not dent their walls mm-hmm. you know, as we're doing calls. So that's uh, that's key because I always see my biggest pet peeve, we're extricating somebody in a critical event or a non-critical event, and somebody's not hanging on to the stretcher, and you turn a corner, oh, sorry, there's a big dent in your drywall. Mm-hmm. Makes you look so unprofessional. Yeah. Go slow. Communicate. Don't cause any damage to the residents when you're leaving on the FR call. Unless you're breaching. Unless yeah. <laughs> you're breaching your door. Yeah. Right? I will say, I'm really excited to run these calls in our new gear, not our trainers. turnouts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, big bulky turnout is garbage. Yeah. yeah. When you're That's trying gross. to, like, tread gently through somebody's residence. Yeah. Like, when, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing is, uh, yeah, the, the boots will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean the 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 new five eleven pants five eleven maybe they'll become a sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the five eleven pants are you know, they're flexible, they're nice, they're comfortable. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and I like the fact we're probably just gonna go uh, t shirt uh, rather mm-hmm. than any like button up fancy shirts. Yeah, t shirt uh, job shirt. Yeah, t-shirt and a job shirt for yeah, yeah. A deckled deckled shirt right with your yeah. department name. That's uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah, again, it's just uh, just practice, right? Just uh, find the roles, do some do some scenarios. Um, but I think a three to four person truck is ideal. You got lots of extra hands. You can be moving equipment around, and then the biggest reminder is once the paramedic crew is there and you had done the handoff report, you know, now start detaching, pull back, maybe pull, not pull back everybody. Like you said, hey, I'm going to have my guys stand stand back, or hey, the assistant attendant assistant and the officer hey we're going to step back to the other room the attendant he can he'll stay in here and give you a hand for a few minutes call us when you need us yeah right because then he's already pertinent and he's got that information so he can he might be able to help offload uh, some other information yeah. yeah lots of options for sure um yeah the only other thing i want to talk about tonight was the um so this week we finally we finally got to do our VIS practice uh-huh. last two weeks, um, which I think we talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. This week we actually had some of the senior guys with us, um, and you know we started off with a drill like we did last week, which was uh, we had some of the newer guys. So we did the uh, high low VIS, and then we went and did the um, just a push in positive pressure attack, fire attack. Um, well, this time around we had like I said a bunch of senior guys, so they were like. Um, we often talk about the hard point. We call it a hard point. I don't actually know. We're not 100% sure if it's a thing. <laughs> I think it's, it's definitely a thing we use, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. We can't find it in the fire. We, we can't find it in the Sounds manual. like it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. Yeah. A hard point. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I mean, the concept is, you know, obviously with VIS, if you're doing that, you're you're committed to that first. Mm-hmm. That's plan A. Yeah, so, there's a reason for it. So the option sure. is, yeah, you go in, um, you know, you, you do your VIS, you, you take the window, you sweep the floor, you sound the floor, you, you drop down, you go over the door to isolate, you check the hallway, um, you look for anyone in the hallway, and then you close the door, isolate the room, and finish your... Yeah, so absolutely. So when you're when you're before you close that door, like I said, you're you're checking. So we refer to it in Force Country that life fire layout, right? You're looking for life, mm. you're looking for fire, and you're looking for the layout if there's anything. Yeah. Nice. So when you're doing that, after you close the door, you do your search. Okay, well, if we rewind that slightly, as we're doing the life fire layout, um, down that hallway or whatever. Okay, well, oh wait, we did. We found the fire. We found the seat of the fire, or we found you know a Big chunk of the fire. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay, so do we need now to take everybody out? Because we know we're in kind of a safe environment because we've isolated the room. The mm-hmm. floor is stable. The floor is sound. Everything's good. Um, the fire is obviously not below us because yeah. we just saw it down the hallway next to us. Um, I mean, it could possibly be extending depending on the size. Obviously, this is all yeah. call dependent. Yeah. But hey, do we need to now pull everybody out? Like, okay, empty in here. No patient found. Pull everybody out, line them back up at the door, and then push in from the from the door to find the fire that we just saw. Or could we be could we be hey we found the fire, give us a nozzle. Um, this is now our hard point. Yeah. So this is basically now become our front entrance to our our structure, um, and it could be the second floor window mm-hmm. on the delta side. And now you are now attack one and yeah. So now we right. yeah now we've yeah. shifted, mm-hmm. and now they become the attack team. Um, is that the way to do it? We tried it. It worked great. Um, and we were actually debating, like, should we... Now, would we let the guy that just did the search be the nozzle operator? Or is he going to be the backup guy? And then we said, well, he should probably be the backup guy because he just did the search. Mm-hmm. But then we started talking. The backup guy actually does more work. Because <laughs> the backup guy, he's shoveling hose. The nozzle guy actually probably has the easiest job. Like, we always joke. We always uh-huh. joke the backup guy gets awesome video video footage of his helmet yeah. camera and does all the badass shit and the backup guy's sweating his balls off and the, the door control guy is also doing all the stuff. And, and super hard. And they're yeah. like, a thankless job because you're, you're yeah. the one doing all the work and meanwhile, the nozzle guy's like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, fire up. <laughs> there was so. actually just a video that resurfaced on Facebook there the other day. It was a three-person crew Oh yeah, I saw rolled that. Up yeah, yeah. In a ladder truck. Yeah. And uh house fire. Engineer started getting water. The officer drug the line out with his firefighter. Couldn't get his glove on because yeah, couldn't get his glove on. Uh nozzleman started pushing in and he's yelling, More hose, more hose. He's like, Yeah, give me a minute and by myself. You know, <laughs> this he's sucks. Running back and forth through the yeah. house, dragging hose, dragging hose, dragging hose. Then finally they pushed up the rest of that stairwell. Yeah. Prime example, right? That's a lot of work for him. That where the nozzleman's just kind of sitting there waiting. Yeah. So we actually, so I think we didn't really fully discuss it, but I'm thinking the better option would be the guy that just searched the room and saw the fire. He should be running the nozzle because he knows exactly what he just saw. Yeah. He just saw. It. Yeah. yeah. So he, he should be running. Out. He should be. Hey, here's a nozzle. You push in, hit the fire. Yeah. Um. So we basically tried that. So we we were calling the hard point because now you have a hardened point where you're starting mm-hmm. the fire attack. And so the guys, uh, they, they set up, they waited at the door. They still did the door check because you don't know what the yep. fire has done since, since cause mm-hmm. now it could have been, could have been two more minutes. Which back to that yeah. guy saw when it was before. So yeah. they're going to see the fire progression. Yeah. They'll yeah. see, Oh, it really got a lot bigger or mm-hmm. it went somewhere else. Or... And I feel like it's, there's so many little things that are going to be happening in that short amount of time. 
you've now VIS that room. You've identified, hey, here's the fire very close by. Mm. Looks like I can safely hit it. Yeah. You've communicated that out to your IC. You know, hopefully at this point, maybe your IC's done the 360. Mm-hmm. And so he may have an idea, okay, well, they're going to be entering in this door on the alpha side, for example, whatever. Yeah. Um, but they may still not know where the seat of the fire is. Yeah. But now you communicate back, hey, found the fire. It's in yeah. whatever Delta Charlie corner, yeah. second floor. And you're already up there. Hey, I see we're going to make a push from this second floor window as our yeah. hard point and, uh, and push in. Hey, perfect. Now that second team, they can start softening the doors, getting second means of egress. And I mean, there could still be more VIS going on too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because what we what we try to do is we try to aim for the the first room. If we you know we well, this is what we did the other day in that mm-hmm. in the actual VIS we did, um, you aim for the aim for the room closest to the fire. Yeah. Because obviously that's the one that's the most in danger. Right. Yeah. Uh, most threat. So we we aim for that room. You guys attack that room. Then you guys start search that room. Pulled out. And then they was mm-hmm. good. And then they started searching the rooms that are farther away from the fire. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, you push in. Oh. Yeah, we found the fire. We're also going to start making an attack. Hey, that attack team that was setting up, can you guys carry on doing the rest of the VIS? We just... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we did it. Um, we ended up doing um, eight... So eight searches. Yeah, like, so we did four four cycles, mm-hmm. but eight searches. We did, we searched eight rooms and did four or five fire attacks. Uh, and everybody was on one cylinder of air. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of work done. It was actually pretty amazing how much work guys are doing. Just yeah. on that little bit of, uh, on like one cylinder of air. Yeah. And I think that's another teaching point we can get out to the guys too. Like if this is the scenario that you've now just done this uh, VIS room and you've identified the fire and now you're going to be switching gears to attack um, through that entry point, you know, when you relay out to uh, your IC saying, hey, we found the seat of the fire, we're going to push in through this window. Uh, those guys are handing us the the, the attack line. You know, we'll be known as attack one. Then give a quick par, right? Like, hey, I'm still 50 plus air. Check your air. And right. then the officer knows, okay, yeah, they can absolutely push in further, mm. and they still have mm-hmm. lots of air, right? So right. Just an extra thing you could think about as the communication. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. You're, you know your acronyms. What? <laughs> <laughs> Track half your stuff. You say. Has <laughs> <laughs> made half it up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We always like blink, blink. What are you talking about? (laughs) 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 Anyway, it's a thought. (laughs) No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, something that we're going to keep probably uh, doing Mm -hmm. uh, because I think it worked great. I can't see really any drawbacks to it because you're still, um, you know, everything's still there. All the safety checks are still there. You're still pulling out. Absolutely. If, you know, one of the reasons why you don't leave that door frame is because you're getting away from your tether. That lifeline. Well, mm-hmm. once you pull the nozzle in, now you can. Now you're attack. Now, now you're attack line. Yeah. yeah. Now you're attack. Yeah. 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 And again, putting the fire out solves ninety nine percent of the problem. For sure. <laughs> in the yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's like anything. It's a, it's, it's going to be manpower dependent. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be information dependent. Why you mm-hmm. VIS that room? Is that the only room? Is that the only issue? Or mm-hmm. no, we still need to pull out and VIS another room because there's no other manpower to do that yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So, tool in the toolbox. Right. Yeah. 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 It was crazy to see. Like, we talked about it, so we, we've kind of said what our burn building looks like. So it's the double stack. There's a room upstairs, room below it. Watching how fast everything could get set up. So they threw a ladder, uh, team of three on the upstairs, team of two on the lower. Um, we had a weird number. Um, yeah. 
The other night, the other night we were doing twos and twos. And mm-hmm. two, so we had six guys yeah. plus an officer. So, so whichever one finished first didn't really matter. But once the basement had finished what they were doing, so like either they found a patient and got the patient out, or they searched, didn't find a patient, but the fire was on the basement level, they were already saying, "Hey, we've got." No, we've done a thorough search. We have nobody here. Uh, we have found the seat of the fire. Uh, we have access through interior door. Um, you know, request to go uh, and switch to attack. So, yes. Okay, perfect. So now there's, uh, with every BIS, there's a hose line. Um, so they they can't really start to make their attack um, up through this window inside the building without anybody else on the outside of the window yeah. acting as that doorman. Yeah. Um, so there's still, there's somebody on the ladder. So shoveling hose. Exactly. Yeah. So the second floor had somebody that was, they were either still doing the rescue uh, or they were finishing that, but there's somebody on the inside. There's somebody at the window with the thermal and then there's somebody footing the ladder at the bottom. Um, so once the first person was out, um, that person that was on the ladder that was foot in the ladder bounced over to the window and now they acted as that door uh doorman mm-hmm. uh which was then shovel and hose in so then the other two could then come out and all of that can still still happen um but they're already pushing in right. so they were already attacking the fire before the second person hit the ground yeah. it was super super smooth right i mean the only it's not really a drawback the only issue with the um Hard point is 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 because it's probably gonna be through a window. It's, yeah, it's hard to get a to do a proper fan. Like you can't put a fan in a window. Right. Um, not if so, you, not if you're doing positive pressure attack. Yeah. Yeah. So what, and, and I mean you don't want to do that if you're doing VIS anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, yeah because you can't have someone go through a second floor window and then start the fan up on the on the lower floor uh, <laughs> um, to push push the heat out right because you're gonna yeah. push it into the guys. Um, but what we did on this night and we didn't really tell the guys is when they pushed in. Well, they hit the fire. Okay, well, there's no fan behind you. So then they found the window and they hydraulically vented. Absolutely. It worked, say, it worked yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's, yeah. It's like everything we say, we talk about. It's a tool in the toolbox, right? Now you've, you've gone in there. You've knocked the fire. Communicate out. Hey, we want a hydraulically vent on this delta side window. Boom. Done. Yeah. 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 I kind of can't wait till another, <laughs> another structure fire. <laughs> Where there's a VIS that's going to happen. Oh. Yeah. 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 VIS without a patient, because then we can actually uh, mm-hmm. practice. <laughs> yeah, and you know, depending on on the building and on what's going on and the fire crew dependent, if you don't have other good access points in there, and that is your best access point, into you don't have to VIS it. You can just do it. You don't have to VIS it either. But if now it's like, okay, yeah, no, it's going to take longer to gain entry somewhere else uh, for another uh, hose line. If this where you guys just went in. Is your primary? What else can we do with that window? Take a freaking chainsaw, and make it into a door, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cut let's it open, down, let's dump. open that up. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's lots of options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds like a, a good, uh, a good training point. I think it'd be fun to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a blast. All right. Any uh, anything else? I don't think so. No. Um, I can just go back to the FR stuff with the four-person crew. Um, so like it's communicate with your, with your crew, communicate with, uh, with the medics, you know, let the medics have some time to adapt and learn, you know, your abilities, 
Mm-hmm. I think in our small towns, like I mentioned, it, it's going to be very easy easy to do. Absolutely. Versus the large centers where different platoons and mm-hmm. rotations, sometimes you don't see the same guys for weeks, right? And the beauty of it is, is with both of our departments, we have members that do wear trained. Both, both hats. Yeah. So that will really aid Absolutely transition does. as well because yeah. you got people on the inside on both sides that want to see it, you know, succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Modus. Yeah, Modus. Uh, classic Snagger tool, uh, but so so much more now. Um, they've got their soft entry, their fourth entry gear, uh, their hydrant wrenches, their um, post straps. Uh, yeah, I want to. I think we need to buy. Yeah. Several sets of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll go really, really well. Because yeah. um, they come in sets, packs of three. Threes. I thought they were like one strap. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Find one strap. I'm like, oh wait a minute, sets of three. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I think it would work out really well. Um, so yeah, check them out on their socials. Check them out on ours. Um, if you like what you see, DTFF five gets five percent off your next purchase. Mm-hmm. I've noticed on our department a lot more guys are uh, packing some of their gear. I saw mm-hmm. some of the other guys. They pulled out some different wedges and some had some uh, mini spanners and stuff mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, I think they're starting to order more. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good to see. Nice. Absolutely. Go ahead, stop the bleed. Stopthebleed.org. Um, yeah. Three major rules for uh, massive hemorrhage control, direct pressure, uh, wound packing, and tourniquet application. So, um, yeah, make sure you keep your tourniquet out of the plastic wrapper. Do not keep it attached. Have everything uh, service ready, ready to rock and roll. Um, you can go on our social stuff as well and see the course content if you're an instructor. Um, yeah, it's, it's really important. You know, there's, there's so much of the, the training going on now, kind of North American wide. Um, it, it's a pretty major component in a lot of things we do. So yeah, check it out. Uh, it's, it's pretty important. If you want to be an instructor, um, watch our stuff on our YouTube and, um, yeah, if you want to get any, any equipment for that, rescue centrals is a great, um, asset for that. Uh, a lot of training supplies, wound packing devices, uh, true clot, um, like the fake blood stuff, uh, it actually clots up and really works really well. Um, lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of tourniquets, uh, different styles of tourniquets and, uh, different styles of packs and mini high packs and large packs and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. check it out. RescueCentrals.com for that. Nice. Um, Tanner Olson band, country music out of the West coast of Canada. Uh, go check them out on Spotify and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, playing more live shows now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And lastly is us, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and the TikToks, which we are more active on now. TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. How is that you're going, by the way? Not as well as the last one. Yeah, you're lying. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you spoil it with your crappy music. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> we're gonna do a live live check here. <laughs> Want to do a quick shout out to uh, my brother in law, Cal Fire, the yeah, pilot down there. He'll come up with a hat and a couple of patches. Um, I will uh, talk to him. Maybe I was gonna say, we... you know, up with a bags. Well, I was gonna say, see if we can get a couple, other, a couple other hats from him, maybe, yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll hook you guys up, and then maybe get a couple more for a giveaway. That'd be cool. Yeah. 
He's got a lot of bears in California. I know that's like their their state thing. It's like, I know. So this is one one option. The other the other hat had actual um, Cal Fire crest. Sweet, that's that's a, a picture one. of the state yeah. as well. Um, then the other one was like total pro America. Red <laughs> and stars and stripes. Ah! Yeah, so Cal <laughs> Fire. It was a pretty awesome. The blue hat. Yeah. But yeah. So I'll, I will talk to him and see if we can get some more swag. And then um, yeah, if we get a couple more, try to do a giveaway. Sweet. Yeah, he said he's gonna get get a bunch more hats on order that he's come. Let's give away to Scott Nash. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So for what it's worth, the other video ran for two weeks. Two eighty one. We are currently sitting at two forty six. Yeah. A week and a half ago. Oh well. I still think it's better music. <laughs> oh, I don't disagree. I mean, spoil. I think you spoiled the uh, spoiled the batch. Spoiled <laughs> the works batch. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to listen to these guys anymore. They play this crap music. Right. However, the ice cream truck one. That one's uh, <laughs> that's killing it. Yeah, a couple grand. Yeah, <laughs> that one's killing it. I was waiting for somebody to be like to give the classic like, "Wow, you fucking guys, everybody mm. loves it." <laughs> what if the guys that did it know about it? <laughs> I may have told him I wouldn't post it. But what? <laughs> I didn't say that to him. No, 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 I didn't say that to him. No, because you can't set, see who it's from or anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, I definitely had to look to make sure that you can yeah, see no, it. They're fine. Yeah. It, was, it was funny. It was totally not like we weren't actively fighting fire at the time. It was downtime. Yeah, like, you were eating ice cream. Yeah, we were literally <laughs> eating, ice cream. eating ice cream, which was given to you. Which was yes. given to us by a lady because her power <laughs> like was like, you found this business. Like, God, God. They're all gone. Well, I'm going to use some force entry here. <laughs> 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 Test my skills. <laughs> no, no, what had happened, yeah, it had melted, and then uh, the power came back on, and it refroze, which I guess in the ice cream world, that's bad. Still yeah, you pretty, can't sell it. Still tastes pretty good. Mm. <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, she, she kept coming out and giving us bags of ice cream. I'm like, oh, my God. So we decided that the best thing to do is to drive around and give it to the to the forestry guys who are probably actually working a lot harder than harder than we were. Nice, <laughs> good call. Yeah, they're pretty happy. So. Nice, cool. All right, um, any more for any more? No, sir. Thank you. Good night. Mm. I didn't ask you yet. <laughs> Ash. Thank you and good night. Todd, <laughs> have a good one. Thanks. Everybody. Good night, everyone. Uh, stay safe. Stay DTFF.